0: what's going on everybody we're back it's the Sooners Illustrated podcast episode 34 on this Thursday November 9th 2023 Oklahoma West Virginia week in the great state of Oklahoma Josh Calloway, Colin Kennedy James E. Jackson Tom Green will be along in just a little bit CK how you doing man it got cold all of a sudden out of nowhere is it like that down in your neck of the woods too
1: A little bit chillier than I'm used to. I was going to mow the lawn, enjoy the sun, and now here I am in a hoodie. Got the sweats on, throwing me for a loop. But hey, this game coming this weekend, Josh, it's going to throw people for a loop. This is a big game, a lot bigger than I think people are expecting.
0: Yeah, sneaky huge, uh, I think. uh, And we'll get into it. Obviously, this is our preview show, but Oklahoma needs this game bad. Big time bad, a lot on the line this weekend, anthracite uniforms are being busted out uh, against the Mountaineers, so a lot to look forward to uh, as the Mountaineers make their way to the Palace this weekend, third to last game of the year, second to last home game, so looking forward to it, and of course, on Thursdays, our game preview days. So we're going to break down the game, lay it all out for you, us two, obviously, and like I said, James and Tom in just a little bit, we're all going to pick the game, what we're watching for, all that good stuff will also hit a little bit of basketball on the way out. Both openers in the books on Monday. Both uh, impressive starts for both Jenny Bronchek and Porter Moser's squads. And of course, as always on Thursdays, we've got some recruiting updates to hit as well. And that's where we'll start, CK. Last week on the show, we talked about Marcus James, Carl Albert, 2025 linebacker. He's going to have his commitment. You know, I was there at, at Carl Albert. And then they pulled a little hezzy hay on us and busted out a second one. Trine Washington also committed at the same time wide receiver slash tight end was kind of how he described himself uh, afterwards. We, had, we talked to him, you know, where are they looking at you? said, primarily as a wide receiver, tight end, Joe John Finley's been one of his primary recruiters. So these guys, if, if you didn't see it first off, I think I'm going to lay it in the podcast because Marcus James commits, and then he says, and I'm bringing someone with me, and Trine comes out from... Like the side of the room and puts on his own. OU hat. have. I'm going to lay that in the podcast right here. And
1: without further ado, I'll be coming to the University of. Ohio. And I'll bring you somebody with me. Yo, it's <laughs> me.
0: Way people can see it and uh, if you're listening can hear it because it was it was kind of cool um, you don't really see that very often um, a little, little double action there at Carl Albert that's now four Titans commits on Carl Albert's roster currently uh, with obviously Kevin Sperry and Xavier Robinson looped in there as well Colin talk about both these players and just kind of what went into landing both of them and what you heard about the Washington uh per you know angle of it as he kind of, you know, Marcus James has been one that, you know, we were looking at he announced his the time, we were eyeballing it and ready for it. And Trende Washington, we were ready for that too, but not, you know, obviously it wasn't on the schedule like Marcus James was. What kind of went into all that from your perspective?
1: Yeah, it was funny because they told James D. Jackson, right. he's coming up later in the show, hey, we're thinking about doing this that day. And I remember James called me. I was down in Houston covering a game. We're talking through the plan. We're, we're working through the P's and the Q's. And then naturally, both of you guys went out there and I'm sitting in the parking lot at Cedar Hill High School outside of Longhorn Stadium, getting ready to go cover a couple of OU offers along the offensive line out there for them. And I'm waiting to publish a story. Now, keep in mind, like, it had been since James talked to Trine and Marcus that we had worked through that plan. So there's still kind of like a, is it gonna happen for sure on that day? We right. knew it was a possibility. They had told us it was in the works. And I still remember, I'm sitting in the parking lot and you text me, all right, go ahead and publish Marcus James. I hit publish, hit the tweet, commit alert. Everyone goes <laughs> and has their fun. And then as soon as I'm done with that, you text and a an 2 and the mini anxiety attack that I had sitting in the front seat of my truck being like, are we sure? Like, is this for real happening? Because I can't see anything. Right. Keep in mind, they're out, boots on the ground, trying to commit. I send it, and obviously, we are here where we are today. This is a really fun little duo, man. And, and look, this is – I try to think of, like, a different angle to talk about here, right, because you and I have mm-hmm. touched on with the fans for – I couldn't tell you how many episodes. This is in Oklahoma's best interest, I think is what I want to bring up here. I, I I don't know of a high school in the state of Oklahoma right now that it makes more sense to go all in on than Carl Albert, you know? And I, I think when you look at these two, Marcus is obviously gonna be someone who potentially plays inside linebacker at six three, six four, two hundred and forty pounds. Trine is going to be that versatile, almost like Jumbo Dimitri Flowers type with a little bit of wide receiver ability mixed in. Two just fascinating players, and they both received their initial ratings at 24-7 sports. Marcus James enters in as an 88, which is obviously one point away from the highest grade of 89 as a three-star. And then Trine Washington gets an 89 I could see both of those guys getting into four-star territory as more games get under their belt. The bottom line here is they enter in as three stars and they enter in as OU commits because they're both kind of blank canvases. They can both do a lot of different things. They obviously both can play on both sides of the ball. So really awesome gets for Oklahoma here. you got to be ecstatic right now if you're in that program. Adding all these guys, that makes it what? Five out of six dudes with power five offers at Carl Albert are now committed to Oklahoma. One more to go. Here he might be in Norman this weekend for this West Virginia game. But that aside, Tranny Washington and Marcus James were two guys that, in my opinion, you had to go out and get. And Oklahoma does exactly that in surprising fashion.
0: Yeah, so you're referring to Tristan Haynes there. And I, I asked Marcus and, and Trené both afterward, we we're, were talking to him, catching up with him for a few minutes. Um, Tristan next? You know what I mean? It, you got their whole half-year roster is going to OU at this point. Mm-hmm. And uh, they both, yeah, smiled and said, oh, yeah, he he's next. We're, we're working on him and, and things like that. So wild to have. I mean, if they get Tristan, even if they don't, but let's say they do for just the, the fun of it, that signing day ceremony next year – Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, it's an OU party to have that many guys at one high school in Oklahoma going to the University of Oklahoma. All scholarship, you know, top-level players is is wild. It's not normal. So and I think most fans realize that. But, man, that, that's crazy. That, that's really, really special. And then, obviously, you have Xavier Robinson coming in this year. But the next season, all these guys in their senior year, they all know where they're going to play college football. That's going to be really, really cool. Um, and I'm excited to see what kind of run they can go on this year. Obviously, they're having an undefeated season right now. Last week Mm -hmm. of the high school football season was last week. They're in the playoffs now, starting tomorrow here in Oklahoma. Um, And I'm excited to see what those Titans can do with Kevin Sperry leading the charge as they try to win a a gold ball. Nothing new uh, in those parts. So fun team, fun team, fun program, and maybe not done, like we said, as far as OU commits goes. Another in-state guy,
2: Alexander
0: Mm -hmm. Shield Knight. If you're not familiar with him, Really good players way out there in Wagner, which is one of the best, most underrated programs in the state of Oklahoma. Dominant defensive program in Oklahoma. He is a three star edge committing tomorrow. Uh, we haven't really talked about him a whole lot. He's committing on Friday before the Wagner's playoff opening or playoff opener. Um, the Bulldogs certainly expect to be a team that's going to you know make a deep run and Looks like Oklahoma is in good shape here. What are you hearing for Shield Knight in-state as Oklahoma tries to, again, lock up some of the best players within the state lines?
1: Yeah, by the time this podcast publishes, I will probably have entered a 24-7 sports crystal ball in favor of Oklahoma for Alexander Shield Knight. I really like where OU is here within this recruitment, and rightfully so. This is an in-state guy that behind the scenes, Miguel Chavis has prioritized for quite a while, and for good reason. I mean, you look at this guy, about six foot 3 220-ish pounds, and I believe I saw something the other day. He may have set the all-time sack record at Wagner. So he's pretty good and an encouraging mm-hmm. frame little bit of versatility as well. You can have him stand up edge rush. You can have him kick inside with his hand in the dirt. This is a player that Oklahoma has wanted, quite honestly, for quite a while. And he kind of flies under the radar because he's Wagner, Oklahoma, kind of just doing his thing. But whenever that announcement comes, and it's it's on its way, you got to like where, where Oklahoma stands. I think in his initial rating that he was – recently receiving three-star player graded out as an 86 top 12 in the state of Oklahoma top 60 edge rusher in the country very strong chance that goes up I think if you're Alexander Shield Knight this is a real opportunity for you to springboard your career one that's been promising like I mentioned I mean I believe he's the all-time sack record leader now like Wagner you can take that to the SEC with an in-state program and Miguel Chavis and and Shield Knight have really hit it off here as well. So, I I, I think there's still some things to sift through, right? I know Arkansas has been in the mix, Oklahoma State, Texas Tech, but OU to me is in best position as we get closer to this announcement. And so, like I mentioned, man, by the time people are listening to me say these words, they can probably go to 24/7 Sports and and see a crystal ball for me for Oklahoma.
0: Yeah, like I said, Wagner, especially, I mean, they know defense out there. The 10-0 this year, certainly the favorites in at the 4A level in the state of Oklahoma. This year, they've only allowed one team to score 15 or more uh, all season, and that that's the norm out there. They have a couple shutouts under their belt. They know defense out there, and uh, like you said, sacks leader for that program, that's – it's impressive, really, for any program to be the sack leader. But at that program, the way they've coached a defense in the last, especially in the last decade or so, is really, really impressive. So we'll keep an eye out for that. I don't know if James is going to make his way out there. I know he's kicking around. Wagner's pretty far. So we'll see. Uh, we'll see. But either way, Oklahoma 247 sports.com on Friday. If that's the way it goes, you'll know about it. Text alert, all that, all that good stuff. Become a VIP subscriber. You can have uh, luxuries like that. So keep an eye out for that. Tomorrow. Another one, uh, Grant Bricks. Talk about Grant Bricks a ton. Uh, Obviously, it's been a topsy-turvy recruitment. It's been lots of kind of ins and outs. What's the latest here? Oklahoma fans have kind of, I think, are probably wondering, what is the deal? Are we getting this guy? Are we not getting this guy? As of November 9th, how are you feeling about Grant Bricks, and what's the latest there?
1: Yeah, this is a really important moment coming up, Josh. I I, I really do believe – We're taking a step towards this thing being wrapped up whenever the weekend comes. He's scheduled to be in Norman for this West Virginia game. I checked in with someone this morning before hopping on the pod. That's still the plan. So good to know. But why is that so important? So as we know, Grant Bricks, time and again, he's been on commit watch And Oklahoma has seemingly been close to closing on this guy, I would say, a couple of times. But Nebraska has also felt really good at times in this recruitment, and and so has Kansas State. I mean, Kansas State is is the closest school to home. Nebraska, I believe, is like an hour-20 drive from where he lives out in Iowa as well. So those two programs had kind of battled, and then Oklahoma, yes, the distance is there, but he loves the strength and conditioning program at OU. He loves the direction of the program. Head of the SEC, he, he appreciates the offensive line development. And then obviously Bill beanbell really strong um, relationship there as well. So I say all that to say this, Grant Bricks, he was going to close things down. We now know he's obviously been trying to take in-season visits. He has been to Nebraska. A lot of people were like, okay, let's stay on the edge of our seats here. Nothing happened. He's now set for this Oklahoma visit this weekend. And, and honestly, Josh, there's a lot of people behind the scenes who think this is either visit 203 or this is the last visit he's going to take. Uh-huh. Kansas State's trying to get him in town in Manhattan for the regular season finale. I don't remember exactly who they play in that game, but you know Manhattan is going to be rocking. And yeah. I know back then, I still haven't followed up on this in a while, but Grant's girlfriend was scheduled to go to Kansas State so or something to that effect. So there had also been that wrinkle to all of this there for a while, but that's kind of subsided recently, and I haven't dug further on it. But it sounds like that kind of advantage that Kansas State once had, not as prevalent for Bricks or on his mind. And so, long story short, it sounds like Kansas State people, especially who at one point, very early on in this, had a lead with Bricks, they're kind of nervous. And there's belief on the OU front, Nebraska front, the Kansas State front, that whenever Bricks arrives in Norman, depending how this visit goes he will either just kind of carry on a status quo or there's a very real opportunity for Oklahoma to try and shut this one down so look we've 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 rode this roller coaster together right mm-hmm. like we've all we've all kind of been through hell and what i would echo is this is this is kind of where we're going to really figure out whether or not this recruitment is ending because if Grant Bricks goes through the weekend and you don't hear any word, well, then this one could legitimately push to December. But Oklahoma is going to do everything in its power this weekend, specifically, to try and shut this one down. So put on those seatbelts again, folks. Yeah, we're headed for another dip. We'll see what happens when we get up to the other side.
0: Well, there you have it, OU fans. Uh, Bricks going to be in town. You want to lock them down. Night game on Saturday night. Bring the juice, bring the energy. This is how you help, right there. So looking forward to that uh, on Saturday. Unity uniforms. How do you feel about the uh, the Anthracites? By the way, you a fan the gray unis? I like them. I would say I like them. I think they're, right.
2: really, they're like.
1: It's kind of weird to me that basketball, football – I
0: believe both men's and women's basketball have anthracite uniforms, correct? Yeah, and softball does too, but baseball baseball does not. They don't utilize any kind of
1: – It's kind of strange that, like, that's the specific kind of color that oh, OU just <laughs> – that's ours, you know, because I haven't yeah. seen yeah. anthracite anywhere. But I like the, the – the football uniforms. I think the fo- the football, basketball, softball uniforms, and anthracite are pretty cool. I do would I would like to see a couple other alternates. I don't know. I mean, but it's a cool concept, and it's also like not only is it a good look, but there's a cool message behind it. So I'm right. I'm for it. I I like them.
0: Yeah. I well the main the most important thing. I think they're kind of cool too, and you're wearing them once a year, you know, but. um, that clearly the the players and recruits like them because when recruits come take their photos, they they pick those to wear, like, knives at the time. And you ask any player – I asked Adam Sawchuk this week, you know, do you, how do you feel? Do you, know, you like to wear the gray unis? And he was like – I mean, he lit up. Like, yes, pumped to wear them this weekend. Been waiting. He's like, it's the 10th game. He hadn't worn the alternates yet. I'm excited to wear them. So
1: I, I um, definitely like important. those – I like those more than the what were they calling those like the woodshed kind of like the ru- the Yeah, bring the
0: ring to Wood or Roughneck or whatever the hell, heck it is. Yeah, they did that
1: not doing it for me.
0: So yeah, I feel you. I'll feel you on that. As for the game, get your thoughts before we get for it, let you out of here. Oakland, West Virginia. The Sooners are actually a 13-point favorite as of right now, which feels big. Uh, West Virginia, how many people around the country realize West Virginia is six and three? I don't know how many people do. Uh, Neil Brown was firmly on the hot seat. They're picked dead last in the conference at back at 12 Media back in the summer. They're six and three right now. They're going to go bowling and they're coming in believing they have a really good rushing attack. What are your thoughts uh, on this game? What are you watching for when uh, the Mountaineers get to Norman on Saturday night?
1: Yeah, I, I'm excited about this one because I think it's a pretty unique challenge. I, I think I look at this West Virginia team and I say, okay, this is. This is probably the best version of West Virginia that Oklahoma's going to be able to see for, for quite a while. Years past, West Virginia's been good. I don't know that they've been this solid. Mm. but And if I remember correctly, too, I mean,
0: West Virginia beat Oklahoma last year, correct? Yes, yeah, no? in Morgantown, yeah. First yeah. time they beat them since they've been in the Big 12 was last year.
1: And now, like I look at this team, Josh, and I say, there's a very realistic opportunity for West Virginia to do that again. I mean, Garrett Green—I'll give him a lot to do. At once, he was kind of like a fan favorite in West Virginia, just like the the chosen child of that fan base. And it was like everyone else is just kind of, like, you know, that's your guy. But he's he's elevated his game. Obviously, he's an explosive runner of the ball. He can stretch the field vertically. But I'm looking at him and I'm saying, okay, if I'm, if I'm in that defensive meeting room, I kind of want to blanket the top of my defense and force this guy to complete passes accurately, move the chains consistently. But the thing there, too, is he's got the ability to sit in there and read, although his accuracy may not be outstanding in the middle of the field, because that offensive line's legit. And I think that's what I'm really excited about with this matchup is, West Virginia's offensive line and their defensive line, arguably the two strengths of this team. Now, I know that they've had a running back or two be really explosive. I turned on the West Virginia game last weekend for like a quarter, and I saw they had like a freshman running back just going off. And I I don't know a ton about that running back room, but I do know a lot about that offensive line. I follow a lot of those guys as recruits. There's a couple NFL players on the front line, and – you can say the same for the defensive line. And so Oklahoma's going to be challenged up front. And if you're not winning at the point of attack, I think we've seen that Oklahoma from the front line out, if it's not winning along the front, that then very much trickles back to the rest of the squad. So this is a very fun matchup, man. Like, I, I don't know a lot of people nationally are grasping how important this game is. But this is kind of like a slugfest coming up. And for both teams, there's a lot at stake. And so, yeah, man, I'm excited about this. There's a couple other wrinkles. Obviously, you guys are going to do the full breakdown coming up here on the pod. But I, I, I think I'm most excited to see how Oklahoma plans to attack a team that I think on paper has a very realistic opportunity to give them a scare in North.
0: So what's your feel on it? Does Oklahoma snap this little skid and get back on track uh, on Saturday night, or does it kind of like last year continue to snowball on, on them a little bit? Do they get back in the wind column? What's your game pick? Sooners, Mountaineers.
1: Yeah, I, I think that West Virginia is going to come in here and – Neil Brown, the thing that I like about him, Josh, is he's kind of a fiery guy. Like, at the beginning of the year when we went to Big 12 media days, he was giving everybody the business. You know, he was not happy, to put it lightly, that his team was picked dead last. And my only assumption here is that he's going to try and put another statement on the board in this game. I think West Virginia is going to throw the kitchen sink at him. That being said, Oklahoma to me, like, this is when you got to figure it out. If you if you don't get it going now, I will happily throw my hand up and at that point just pick against you for the rest of the season. <laughs> but I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. I think Oklahoma writes the ship. I think Jeff Levy – I know that I'm trying to, like, defend the guy – and last week I said, "Oh, you know, the last time this play calling fell call in question, he went out there and lit it up. Didn't do that. Didn't do that. But you're at home. There's a lot at stake. This is for the season. And so, for that reason, I'm going to pick the Sooners. I'm going to say, I'm going to say Oklahoma wins over West Virginia, 34-21. We'll go 34-21."
0: You got a push, a very rare push.
1: Well, I saw the line was at what, 12 and a half recently. I don't know yeah. if that's still out there.
0: So I see it at 13 right now, but obviously it moves around, depends on where you look. But you're close. You're close. But there you have it. So per Colin Kennedy, Oklahoma gets back in the win column. going to be a, a fun game on Saturday night. I think the fact that tonight's game does help, you know, because this just felt like when I left Stillwater last weekend, it just felt like if that thing's at 11 a.m. It's going to be sleepy. Fans are not going to be dialed in at the beginning. The fact that it's at night helps a lot in that area. And uh, talking to players this week, they're certainly disappointed, but I think they're going to be ready to go um, to try and just sick a losing. Um, I think it's kind of a good way to put it. So we'll see what happens on Saturday night. That's it for CK. Colin, appreciate you, sir, as always. We'll catch up with you next week as we get ready uh, for Oklahoma to head to Utah and BYU. Uh, next next uh, weekend. Looking forward to that.
1: going to be a lot of fun. Final day for 50% off. I launched the 60% last week. Mm-hmm. 24-7 called and said, hey, we're going to do a 50% off deal for two days to celebrate college basketball and National Signing Day for the sport. I said, well, that's great. Not a ton of OU people are going to even be aware that it's basketball signing <laughs> day, but hey. off for those OU fans, folks. So come sign up at Sooners Illustrated. Half off. That's less than $5 per month to get access to Sooners Illustrated and the entire 24-7 Sports Network. Y'all be safe. Celebrate accordingly out there at that night game. Make sure you get in the stadium for me. And then go have some
0: fun. I will see you all next week. All right, man. All right, we'll get Tom and James in here now. to Continue to break down and preview Oklahoma West Virginia and also – Talk about the basketball season openers that were on Monday, right here. The Sooners Illustrated Podcast. We'll be back after this short break All right, we now welcome in James D. E. Jackson, Tom Green into the program. Gentlemen, how are you doing?
2: <laughs> good, man, good. How about We're you? Back.
3: We're back. You know, getting a shot at OU does and uh, see if they can get a win this time.
0: Yeah, no kidding. It feels like, I was just talking to Tom before we started recording that. Also, they won the UCF game, but it didn't feel good. OU fans mm-hmm. didn't like it. So it's been about a month since we've come out of a game week we're the fans and we feel good about the way the team is playing right now. So we'll see if it changes this weekend. West Virginia's coming in. Um, you know, I talked about it a little bit with Colin uh, just a, a little bit ago, but you guys remember, obviously, West Virginia was picked last in the conference. Neil Brown was firmly on the hot seat. He was calling guys out, media out at Big 12 Media Days. And here they are. They're six and three. I mean, the Mountaineers are one of the surprise teams in the country this year. They're four and two in conference. They're technically, I mean, they're certainly not out of the Big 12 race. Now, nobody thinks that they're probably capable of stacking these wins and doing it, but they're in the thick of things right now. And this game, and you guys can let me know what you think on this, feels sneaky huge for Oklahoma. I mean, they they need this game. You're talking about two straight loss on the road. You're coming back home. This kind of feels like the, the tipping point for this season being either fine, you can still get the 10 wins, or kind of a, a low-key disaster if you lose this game and it gets away from you. This is a kind of large and and very important game for Oklahoma this weekend under the lights back in Norman.
2: Yeah, it's kind of like we talked about the other day on the podcast. <clears throat> it almost feels like an inflection point for the team this season. Um, especially the way those two losses kind of happened, like feeling very much like last season's backslide. And now you have a team that, while West Virginia has been a lot better than people expected, it was still picked to finish last in the league. Like. <clears throat> If you lose three straight games and that third game is the team that was picked to finish 14th in the Big 12 at home, that's not a good look. Um, like you said, just a this game feels a lot bigger than any of us would have imagined it would it would be uh you know, two for months sure.
3: ago. Yeah, definitely. I mean, and you gotta think for this team, like the expectations that were that were set before the season, it seems like you know, from from the media guys and fans, not the coaches, because a coach is gonna win in every one in every game, but the expectations were, you know, 10 wins anyway, you know, the goalposts kind of move a little bit after the Texas win and things like that. And like, okay, maybe this team is a playoff team. One of those, you know, those, those conversations mm-hmm. were being had. Now it's, it's back to, I think where everybody thought they were going to be anyway uh, to 10 wins. although I, I had them a little bit higher than that, but uh, other than that, I think it's back to where everybody expecting them to be. So if you, if you do lose this game, you start to fall under, underachieving which is not where you want to be uh, going into the SEC next season.
0: Yeah, especially considering that they were, like, kind of referenced James, overachieving just a few weeks ago. That's quite the swing um, in about a month's time. And this is a scary game for a lot of reasons because West Virginia, I mean, what do they have to lose? I mean, they have massively succeeded already, their expectations for this season. They're coming in, Norman. They beat OU last year, so they have a little bit of confidence there. I know it's a different Oklahoma team, but still, you carry that over. Garrett Green played very well. In that game last year in Morgantown, you know, they're, they're playing well. They, the pressure is all on Oklahoma here. Um, so that that's – those are things that scare you. And the fact that West Virginia, which we've talked about with, you know, Brent Venables and players stuff this week, are kind of similar to the teams that they've been playing in terms of the way they approach, especially offense, heavy running teams. So from that perspective, it's a little bit of a frightening game uh, for Oklahoma. And we'll get into it here. So let, let's dive in. I think most people are, are very interested, and in, in we've been talking about it on the show the last couple of weeks the offense. Can the offense fix it? Can the offense figure it out? Jeff Levy, what's the deal? You know, obviously, you know, OU fans, he's probably going to be number one right now. I think we all thought coming out of the Kansas game in still water, better weather, you know, uh, after the scrutiny of the week before. Dylan Gabriel is going to throw it all over the place, and they're going to be—they're going to have a, a bounce back day. And while they did throw the ball a lot more, and they actually ran the ball well, which Tom and I talked about on Monday, at the end of the day, 24 points, um, missed opportunity after missed opportunity in the second half. The last five drives of the game is scored three total points. Some brutal turnovers, several brutal penalties. Now you go against West Virginia defense that's pretty balanced, a good defensive line. What are some expectations for Oklahoma offensively right now? Because it feels like the OU offense is kind of busted at the moment. And we know they have guys, but is it just simply that without Andrew Anthony, this offense just isn't that good? It's just an okay offense? Or is there a room here for them to turn things around? What do you guys think?
2: I mean, I think they can turn things around. Um, I don't want to downplay the loss of Andrew Anthony because it has been very noticeable. And it's something that Brent Venables, you know, pointed out again, on Tuesday when when we were talking to him, like kind of unprompted, like, yeah, like this was a pretty major loss. But, you know, talking to players this week, they feel they're so close to just like putting it together. Like the difference between a, like a three-point loss and like a 15-point win for them is just a handful of plays, it feels like. Mm-hmm. But the biggest thing has – obviously the turnovers have been killer the last two games, six of them. Four of those have come on, on a first downs offensively, which is – Just brutal, Um, including a few after like big plays. You know, obviously the 49-yard pass to Nick Anderson, and then you get the fumble. You get a 15-yard run by Gavin Salchuk, then a a interception going the other way. It's tough, but I think one of the biggest things is just their execution in the fourth quarter. These last two games has been awful. Mm -hmm. I mean, you look at the fourth quarters; they have two turnovers, both fumbles, just seven first downs. They're one of seven on third downs. Their, their fourth-quarter drive chart the last two weeks is disgusting against Kansas. Four plays, punt. Four plays, touchdown on a short field because of Billy Bowman's interception. only wow. had to go 14 yards. Three plays for minus two yards, punt. Six plays, end of game. Against Oklahoma State, four plays, punt. One play, fumble. Six plays, field goal. Five plays, turnover on downs. Ugh. Yeah. Ugh. It, it's gross. And you know, obviously they need to execute better in the fourth quarter. But I w- it was kind of interesting to listening to Dylan Gabriel talk about it on on Monday night. It's like, yeah, we're a better team in quarters one, two, and three. Fourth quarter execution, it, like obviously they still want to be better in the fourth quarter. Mm-hmm. But you know, you're not putting yourself in situations where it can be a one-score game late in those late in those moments when you're you know you may not maybe your best. Um, so they just have a lot of things to clean up, but again, they feel like they're really close. Um, it's just you know the details, like Brent, like Brent Middleton said, this team is not good enough to not be good in the margins. Like yeah. they can't get away with those mistakes. They've they've caught up to them the last two weeks.
3: And I think that's that's the that's the difference here, right? I mean, you you asked us how we feel about it, Josh, and it's kind of frustrating, but also it, you kind of gave a little hope because. It seems like it's just OU beating OU at, at this point. It's just they're just having their mistakes that are small at times, but over time it, it builds up to where it's catastrophic. And then mm-hmm. you know then there's there's a chance for a, a, a call not to go your way, you know things like that, getting a penalty that probably wasn't deserved on your side. Those things are compounding and coming together, and that's really what's hurting them. So as Tom just named off all of the the numbers there, I mean that's that's literally what it is. OU is as we said, OU is going to be favored in every game after Texas, and they have been. And it's just they're just beating themselves at this point. No team has done something that out schemed them or really beat them up in, in, in the game. It's just them beating themselves, having, you know, errors here and there, which it's just called up to them. As, as Brent Venable said, as Tom said, it's just it's just called up to them at this point. And so you see what needs to be fixed. Maybe if you don't have those false start penalties, maybe you can not fumble the ball on the snap, maybe, you, you know, do those little things right. And then it's a whole different. It's a whole. It feels like a whole different season. You know that's that's the situation it is right now.
2: Yeah, and, and talking to players like, <clears throat> especially Andrew Rame made a point of it. I think uh, you know, Gavin Sawchuk and Drake Stoops made points of it too. It's like, yeah, it's incredibly frustrating that they've kind of like just fumbled away these golden opportunities to a, you know, still be in the driver's seat in the Big Twelve, but also be in the playoff conversation. Mm-hmm. Right. But they they they, they like Andrew Rame said it's almost reassuring to a point, because, like, it's not like they're getting blasted by opposing teams. It's just they're, you know, they're stepping on their own foot and, and messing up. Like, these are things that they feel are correctable for them. So that's why there's kind of, like, this – You know, they take it with a grain of salt. You know, they feel like they can turn things around and, you know, finish the season strong and not fade down the stretch like they did last year. But they're running out of time to correct these issues.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, those fourth quarter numbers, too, are, are... – Extra startling when you think back to the beginning of the season, we're talking about how well they were finishing games. That was a conversation early in the year. You think of SMU in the fourth quarter. Um, just kind of it was they ended the game on a run the first yeah. four or five weeks. If you guys remember that, it's like oh, they yeah. scored, I would say they blew them out of the park in the second half after it was a close game for a while. And so, just to see that vast turnaround to where now they're the team that's getting hammered late is mm-hmm. uh, you're wondering what, what happened, and that's. And we talked about it a lot last couple weeks, but it feels like last year because that's what they were mm-hmm. so bad at last year was finishing games. And a big part of that we thought last year was that there was no depth and that these guys are playing every snap, you know, especially on defense. They're, they're just the linebackers, Stutzman, the Sean White. Those guys are playing every snap. We thought that it was going to be different this year. And so far it was through five, six, seven games. The last couple of games it hasn't seemed that way. It's, it's gone backwards. They're back to being bad in close games They're two and seven in one score games now, the last two years. So um, yeah, finding a way to to like you said, Tom earlier, get better on the margins because they just don't have the they don't have the skill and the talent to just run away from everybody. Now you got West Virginia this weekend. Defensively, like I mentioned, not a clear, obvious weakness for them, at least on paper statistically. They're fifty-fifth in scoring, sixty-second in passing, fifty-sixth in rushing. They're kind of just solid across the board. Not amazing across the board, but solid. Good defensive line. Is there an area in particular that you're looking for Oklahoma? Is it you know hopefully build on the run game, try to get more receivers going? Um, certainly, Andrew Rams can have a big spotlight on him after you know a couple of fumbled snaps. I mean, how much was it his fault the first one? I don't know, but still, it's two fumbled snaps. Is there an area in particular that you guys are watching for offensively uh, this weekend? Yep.
2: I, I mean, go, go ahead, James.
3: That, that was that was the one thing I forgot to mention too, and. and- what I was talking about last time, them beating themselves. It's like, all of a sudden you're running the ball well. So you're running the ball well and you're playing good defense in football. You're supposed to win games like that. With a good quarterback. Yeah. Yeah. With a good quarterback. It's just supposed to work out for you. And so they've, they've they've had these last two games where they've run the ball really well. And I think, yeah, you want to build on that because that's still a recipe for success. As long as you're not hurting yourself with, penalties and, you know, just late game fumbles and turnovers and things like that. Once you get away from that, just running the football is, is enough on its own to really do just fine because you still have Dylan Gabriel, who was a Heisman candidate for for a little while there that can, you know, get you out of sticky situations when you need him. So I think just getting back to that, yes, you want to build on the run game and, and, and just build on that. That's pretty much what it is now.
2: Yeah, I, I think to me, it's not just like continuing to build on the run game. But getting Dylan Gabriel back involved in the run game, that's when this offense has been at its best this season, Mm -hmm. when he's been able to add a little bit extra dimension to that. And, you know, again, you're not asking him to run for 100 yards, even though, you know, he he did that one game. But if you can get, you know, 60 yards out of him, get get him a handful of carries, you know, just do something to keep the defense a little bit more honest and off balance. Um, I think it just adds something to this offense that makes them a little bit more dangerous. Um, but I, I do want to backtrack you know just a minute I, I know we've you know kind of gone over the offenses issues late in games but it, it hasn't been all on them um you know the defense for as good as it's been this season it has been a little shaky in these last three games late in the fourth quarter um I mean even the the UCF game that they won you know they, they gave up a 75 yard uh touchdown drive in the final minutes there that gave UCF a chance to tie right. on the on conversion. You know, then Kansas, you give up an 80-yard game-winning touchdown drive in the fourth quarter. Um, last week against Oklahoma State, you give up a 97-yard touchdown drive for the go-ahead score. I mean, it, it's, it goes back to what we've heard them say over and over again since since the offseason. It's about complementary football.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: And when one side falters, it narrows the margin for the other side. And they're, they're just not playing complementary football right now. So there, there's blame to go around. On you know to everybody, but I know like the offense is kind of the easy option to scapegoat just because of the, you know the issues there are a little
0: bit more glaring. Cool. Definitely. Yeah, I'm glad uh, you, I mean, agree with the, you the Dylan Gabriel running part of it too, Tom. I mean, obviously we talked about it after the Texas game. That that was a huge, huge reason why they won that game in Bedlam. Four carries for negative seven yards. I looked it up because I had to look it up real quick because I knew it was nothing. Where did that go? Where did that element go? Like like that, just utilizing his legs a little more, it became more and more of a factor. It was a factor in Kansas. He ran for three touchdowns in that game, right, if I remember right. Mm -hmm. And then in Bedlam, it just wasn't a lot. Now you're running the ball with Gavin and Todd Wee, but still why, you know, an element that worked so much to your benefit, they got away from And it kind of goes to what we've been talking about the whole time, where it's like there's elements of the offense that is working and they seem to get away from it or they go too hard on something else. It it just, it's never had a good flow the whole year. And uh, the rhythm to it's been just off. James, did you have something?
3: No, I was saying I was I was agreeing with what Tom said. I mean, that's exactly yeah. right. Just yeah. get Dylan <clears throat> back in there.
2: Yeah, I, I was I was gonna say it kind of goes back to what we were talking about the on the last podcast, Josh. But it's like the offense. Like you look at the numbers overall, the offense has been very good. It's it's you know kind of situational stuff, but it just feels like Jeff Levy is having kind of a difficult time striking the right balance at the right time
3: mm-hmm. with
2: you know the run, the run the pass and just how, how to get it all to work. Because, you know, you look back at the Kansas game, it's like, okay, Dylan Gabriel only, you know, attempts 19 passes, but he runs for three touchdowns. Then you flip it to Oklahoma State. He's back to throwing it all over the yard. But like you said, only like four carries for minus seven yards. And, you know, one of those is a sack or two of those are sacks rather. But um, it, it's just, like you said, kind of getting away from what's working to try to, adjust it, it's almost like overcorrecting yeah is what it feels like
3: and that's the thing too this this team is only one drive away in each game there's just one drive just yep you get a turnover get a first down or, or get a touchdown it's just one drive that would have defined the game and you you're sitting in an entirely different spot it's just it's just that close
0: when Brent venable said on Tuesday at his press conference there was one position that was severely lacking it was tight ends right yeah tight ends because that position is giving you nothing and, you know, I was harping on that a lot early in the year. And frankly, I just stopped because it just became clear that that wasn't going to be a factor. But it is still crazy that we're nine games in and Oklahoma does not have a tight end who is alive out there. I mean, obviously, Austin Stogner is the guy that they're using. He's playing all the snaps. He hasn't been a factor in the passing game all year, which I was way off. I thought he was going to – I thought after seeing what Braden Willis did last year and seeing Austin Stogner when he was at OU before he transferred to South Carolina, I thought – I didn't think he was going to be Brayden Willis, but I thought he would be a factor. He hasn't been a factor at all. And obviously in Stillwater, the blocking was not where it needed to be. Um, the tight end room is is kind of sneaky killing OU. Um, and we haven't talked about it that much the last month or so, but not having a legitimate option to throw the ball to. I mean, last year Brayden Willis was the maybe the most consistent weapon of the offense. It was either him or Marvin Mims. And to not have anything is certainly hurting this team. And uh, you know, that's something to keep an eye on moving forward. Obviously, they're recruiting at the high level there. Devon Mitchell's coming in next year. But that doesn't do you any good for now. And, you know, they just need somebody to step up there. Uh, that, that, that's that been something that's certainly been hurting OU.
2: Yeah, I'll, I'll admit when – when I know I told you guys this on Tuesday, but when Brent Venables yeah. made that remark, it took me a minute to think about what position it was because I don't even think about the tight ends uh, with this you team. You forget they, they have team. tight ends. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, no, that, that that is that is clearly like the glaring weakness because you know, <clears throat> I know a lot of people will, might point to like kicking, but like Brent Venables was up there stumping for Zach Schmidt and you know his confidence in him, and you know, kind of trying to back it up with some numbers that hey, he, even though he's had his issues, like he's not that bad. Yeah. Um, so I mean I but yeah, like after a minute's it's like it's pretty clear that tight end is is where they're not getting enough. And and again, this team is just not good enough to not be good enough in the margins. Like you can't mm, get away yep. with with being that weak in uh, a, a spot that's was was very good for you last year. Yeah, you know, I mean, we heard it in the preseason. Brent Venables referred to Brayden Will's as one of his all-time favorite players. It's like clearly they like that position, and you know they thought they were going to have more in Austin Stogner, but they just it just has not come to fruition. And Blake Smith, I mean, he made some plays early in the season, but we've barely seen him the last few weeks. Mm-hmm. And I think that's just kind of an indictment of the position as a whole, where you're not getting a lot from Austin Stogner, but you don't have many other options or even healthy options at that to give other guys, you know, the the trust that you are giving Austin Stogner right now.
0: Yeah, well, I do think Caden Helms could have been a factor here. Um, obviously went down his Battle injuries, you know, throughout the summer and into the season, I think that certainly has hindered them. Um, but yeah, longest reception I believe for a tight end this year is still Cade McIntyre, the freshman in the opener. Mm-hmm. Um, bad, bad. Uh, defensively for Oklahoma, let me know if this sounds familiar. They're facing another high-powered rushing attack. Um, <laughs> that's you know got a good offensive line. That's been the case last several weeks. Uh, West Virginia seventh in the country in rushing. So yet again. A team that can run the ball, um, just like UCF, just like Kansas, just like Oklahoma State. What do those three teams have in common? They all gave OU massive trouble, and almost, almost all three beat OU. Obviously, two of them did. Um, West Virginia does not throw the ball particularly well, but they score it because they run it. Garrett Green is a multi-faceted uh, QB, can really move around. Gave OU fits last year. West Virginia beat OU in Morgantown last year. It was the first time West Virginia had ever beat OU since they joined the Big 12 about a decade ago. Um, and now they're coming in today, same QB, or this weekend, I should say, same QB, run the ball all over the place. What worries you here defensively uh, for Oklahoma, and how do you kind of scout that that side of the ball uh, for this one this weekend?
3: Before I get to what worries me, I want to say the the reassurance we should have, right? Now, they face the top two backs that they're going to see already, Jonathan Brooks and, and, uh, and Ollie Gordon. They've seen the top of the top of the rushing attacks, and they, and they held... They had them to a pretty good number. So mm-hmm. I think watching the OU defense do that, that should give them some confidence going into this game because it's not like, like you you mentioned the numbers about West Virginia, but it's not something that you were like worried about a week before, like you were with Ollie Gordon. You were already trying to get prepared for what he could sure. do. So that gives you some assurance there. Now, the only worrisome aspect you could have is if they start doing some eye candy here and there, and guys just miss their assignments, which you know, Brent Venables kind of talked about as well, just like having motions and think and things like that. You know, you may think you this is your assignment, but you get mixed up, and that was your assignment over there. That's where oh, you can get hurt. But they've shown over this season, and especially in all those last couple of games, that they can stop a good rushing attack, and and if not stop them, hold them enough to where you you have a good right. chance of still winning the game.
2: Yeah, I mean it. it... <clears throat> It comes down to stopping the run in this game. I mean, that's what West Virginia does well. Um, I think minimizing Garrett Green is going to be huge, obviously. Like Josh Mm -hmm. said, you know, he kind of carved him up last year. I think it was 119 yards and two touchdowns. You know, he's got one 100-yard rushing game this year. It was against Oklahoma State. Um, You know, he's got 427 yards, eight touchdowns, averaging five and a half yards per carry. So, like, again, a mobile quarterback that has given Oklahoma problems in the past. Like, we've heard this story before. Mm-hmm. Let's see how they answer. I mean, I think the defense has done pretty well against the run, all things considered. Um, I think if they can, you know, kind of contain Garrett Green, um, they'll be in pretty good shape in this one. But, yeah, it just it just comes down to being able to stop the run.
0: Yeah. Well, let's go ahead and pick the game. Collins got 34-21, Oklahoma. I got the spread right now at thirteen. The way I'm looking at it, so that that'd be a push for CK. I don't know what that does to the standings. So More about that later. Uh, what do we think? Does Oklahoma end this losing skid? They get back on track, or does the the tumble continue? Who wants to start it off?
3: Yeah, I was first last time, so somebody's got to go this <laughs> time.
2: Yeah, I mean, I, I think they're gonna they're gonna get back on track, like playing at home. You know, they've been a lot better at home this season. Um, you know, like I said the other day, I, I think, you know, playing under the lights is going to give this game a little bit more juice than it, than it might've had. Um, and, you know, I think this team, you know, I asked a couple players like Dylan Gabriel, like, is it hard to not get in your own head after, you know, one score losses again? Sure. You know, cause you thought you learned that lesson. It's like, yeah, it, it's frustrating, but like, again, they feel like everything's correctable. I think they're going to get back on track in this one. I'm
0: going to go 38-24. 38-24. We're all going to be in the same ballpark, I think.
3: Yeah. Um, now, I know Tom mentioned that yeah. OU's been good at home. This, I mean, it's they've been good at home all time. Like, it's over time yeah. <clears throat> of what they've done. They, they've always had a really good record at home. It's just like it's very hard to go into Norman and, and beat the Sooners. And I know they got some things going for them. Like they got they got their alternate uniforms and unity uniforms are coming out.
0: Uh-huh. So
3: give a little bit more juice to it, give a little more excitement for the players to have another look out there. Especially as you get more recruits to come in and watch a night game, which is also a better situation because you get all day to prepare and things like that. Uh, it all look kind of sneak. I mean, it, it goes both ways for West Virginia too. But I think you know having all that gives Oklahoma some more juice to get fired up for this game that they absolutely need at this point in the season. Now. I like what Colin was at. Like I, I I really do. So I think I'll go thirty-five, uh, twenty-four. I'm gonna say 35-24 around that area. Uh a really good win for OU. I think they uh they get it done but they against West Virginia. But they don't cover. I don't I don't know if you can yeah. I don't know if you have that much confidence in them right now because we don't know. Like if Denny Stubban plays, that number changes a lot for me. You know, it's, if Gentry Williams is out there, the number play you know, changes a lot. But I don't know if they're I don't know if they're out there. That's the thing. We don't know exactly where they are, but that's where I like to number it right now.
0: Yeah. You know, I think Oklahoma wins. The spread feels big to me um, at 13. I, I'm going to go, I'm going to go close game. I'm going to go 31, 24. So we all got, we got 24, but you know, I Oklahoma's offense just hasn't looked great the last few weeks. Um, it could easily explode for 50 or 60. Jeff Levy's shown that that, Sometimes that just happens. They just, it all is working one day, but then other days it's not, you know? So I'm going to say the Sooners play well defensively and they just kind of outlast West Virginia here. I think it's going to be a competitive game. I think Neil Brown's got them playing well. Like I said, they got nothing to lose. They're going to come in loose and just hoping to try and spring an upset here. Where Oklahoma's going to, if this game's close, they're going to feel pressure. This is going to be a little bit of a tense atmosphere, I think, late in this game if it's close, because this is a, like Tom said earlier, major inflection point on the season here. I mean, you can salvage things if you win this, but if you lose, it is time for some hard questions uh, coming out of Norman. So I go 31, 24. I think the Sooners win, but uh, the spread feels a little, little large, a little large for me. What do you guys think of the unity uniforms, by the way? You like those? I asked Colin earlier, you like the grays? I mean, they're fine. Um- <laughs> so No. The no. thing
3: is, the thing is, the recruit the recruits really like them. Seeing that's points. what I said. Yeah. yeah,
0: that's the important thing.
3: They're yeah. always taking players pictures you know, in those. Yeah. yeah. yeah I like the ones. other ones. I like the other alternate uniforms better. Uh, now, I don't want to get into the name because I know Josh is getting on me about that. But the I don't know which ones? ones. Huh? The
0: anthracite ones? No, no. That's the one I'm wearing. That's the unity. The, the bring the wood. Yeah. Or yeah. Rough neck, what, whatever they were called. Is, I
3: is I it rough neck? Or r- I always thought it was rough. I don't know what it is. But that's those Yeah, those are the ones I really like. I don't know. The ones with um, that little design in them, those are pretty got a couple cool. Nice,
0: nice alternates, but uh, I, I think these are all right. I think these are pretty cool. I like the helmet. I think the helmet's cool. Mm-hmm. Um, they look, they look, they look better out on the field, you know. And it, last year was a day game too, so it's be a night game. To so say, like, I think the night game will make it, it a little, look a, little a lot better. extra juice to it. Yeah. Night game,
3: it'll, it'll look cooler at night. The the little yeah. dark gray situation
0: for sure. Well, look forward to it. We're all going to be there on Saturday night. Oklahoma at West Virginia it should be a fun ball game. Before we go, real quick, won't spend too much time on it, but a little bit of hoops. Hoop season tipped off on Monday. Um, we'll start with the women. They played Wichita State. James, you were there. I watched the game at home. I had it on. Weird game. They were down a half and then just <laughs> destroyed Wichita State in the second half. What was kind of your main takeaway, I guess, coming out of that opener for uh, Jenny Bronchek, who's got a brand-new team, obviously, mm-hmm. with all of the, the players gone from last year?
3: Well, that was the big thing. It was like the trio uh, that, that's been there for so long, What were they going to look like without him? You know, what what were Mm -hmm. they going? What was the Sooners going to look like? Because that's a lot of the reasons why this team is ranked as high as they are, because of what they've accomplished over the last couple of years. And now, it seemed like at the start of that game, it was just, it was just tough. It was just tough going. They didn't really figure. They couldn't. Somebody they couldn't figure out who was supposed to be where. Where, where, where are we at in in situations like that? And right at the end of the first quarter, I would say, is where they started making their run. They started figuring things out. And then by the time the third quarter came around, it was just like they, they couldn't be stopped. Wichita State had no answer for them. And mm. OU was able to just shut down all the the, the top shooting that, that Wichita State was putting up, you know, and, and it just a blowout from there. 35 to 11 in that third quarter was how much Oklahoma outscored Great. them. And so that just shows you. And it's a lot of it came from the bench unit. Like, you know, the, going to the bench and going to guys – I mean, guys going to women like, you know, Audrey Jones and – And and others that way, and coming off the bench and really helping support that unit because forty three points off the bench can win you a lot of games, and that's what they end up doing uh, with that unit out there. And it was just it was it was a good turnaround win. It showed a lot of fight from the Sooners. I asked uh, Coach Jenny about that afterwards. It showed a lot of fight and showed them exactly what they need to do from now on. Just building on that is the key now because you got a good team coming in uh, today. I think you'll you'll know that tonight.
0: Yeah, tonight they're at Ole Miss tonight. Uh, that's a, I think a top fifteen team, Ole Miss. Mm-hmm. So a, uh, a tough test here early for that squad. We'll see what they can do tonight. Um, as for the men, Tom and I were out there open on Monday night. They played Central Michigan. Looked pretty good. I mean, Central Michigan stinks. Um, I think they're outside the top three hundred again, Palm or some of that start the year. So they're bad. But oh, you did what you're supposed to do. I mean, they they whipped them. They won by thirty points. Uh, Tom, you know, we're not going to learn a lot about this team until. They get into better competition, obviously, into Big 12 play. But as far as first time out, they put 89 on the board. Some of these new guys look pretty good. They have actual size inside with John Hughley. They look pretty good. I mean, we're not going to learn, learn a whole lot, like I said, till later. But as far as game one, night one, pretty good, pretty solid.
2: Yeah. I mean, I think one of the biggest things is just that the style of play was more aesthetically pleasing. Yes, yes. I mean, you <clears throat> you, you look back at last year's opener, they scored 51 points and lost. To Sam Houston State, that, yeah, yeah. Th- this year, you know, they they got off to a little bit of a slow start. It was kind of back and forth there the first five or six minutes, but then the defense kicked in and they they started to turn the defense into offense. I think they got eleven or twelve straight stops, went on a 13-0 run to kind of just create some distance and you know kept Central Michigan at bay the rest of the way. Um, coming out of the second, you know, coming out of halftime, they were, you know, it was a little bit of a slog offensively, but then all of a sudden they just pushed it to 30 and it's like, okay, took care of business. I was really impressed with, you know, J.V. McCollum. You know, he he looks like a really good transfer portal pickup. Um, you know, again I want to see, you know, how his game translates against better competition, obviously, because he's coming from a mid major program in Siena. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, as competition get picks up, I want to see how that kind of carries over for him. Um Otega Owe was, you know, Really solid uh, across the board. Um, you know, you can tell that he's been working on his shot throughout the off season. Uh, John Hewley, like you mentioned, impressive footwork inside. Um, yeah, you know, I think he finished with ten points, uh, five rebounds, and then you know, Jalen Moore really impressed me too. He's just kind of like that energy guy for this team. Like he, he, you can just tell he's he's an athlete.
0: He's looking to dunk on people all yeah. the time, which <laughs> I appreciate that.
2: Yeah, so, I mean, there, there was lots to like um, from that opener. But like you said, until they get against better competition, we're not going to know, you know, just like how much better this team
0: is going to be this season.
2: But, uh, but yeah, I mean, couldn't ask for a better opener for them.
0: Yeah. No, Jalen Moore is going to be fun. Um, but, yeah, they look they look good. It was one game, but they look good. And like I said a couple times to, you know, just kind of talking about the team in, in general, they're at least going to be much more watchable, like you <laughs> said, much more aesthetically pleasing. They can play with a lot more pace. And I'm curious how those rotations get slimmed down, too, as we go. because Porter Moser said, he only likes to play seven, eight guys. Right now, they got about ten guys or so that can play. So, curious to see how that gets uh, slimmed down. Luke Northweather hit a three. Obviously, heard a lot about him leading up to the start of the season. So, good start. We talked about it. Not going to know a whole lot to we get better competition. That's not going to happen on Friday. Mississippi Valley State uh, next up. Not exactly going to be on uh, – National radar that game, but uh, that's coming up on Friday. Next up for the men. All right, I think that's it. We'll be in Norman Saturday night, Oklahoma, West Virginia. Be sure to subscribe, Oklahoma 24 7 Sports.com. Like Colin said, special deal running right now, 50% off. Um, I'm not sure when that ends. It's going to be probably pretty soon. So I think tomorrow. tomorrow. All right, so get on it. Now, 48, 48
2: hour flash sale.
0: We got a little bit more right. going on this football season. Then obviously, transfer portal season kicks up. And uh, basketball season just getting going, so great time. Hop in, join, uh, join a board. Give me a fun rest of the season, both in football and getting basketball going. Oklahoma247sports.com. Be sure to subscribe to the YouTube channel as well for your home of all OU football, basketball, and other sports, press conferences, things like that. We'll catch you guys Saturday night from Norman. to we'll be back on Monday for the next edition of the Sooners Illustrated Podcast to recap it all as the Sooners take on the Mountaineers of West Virginia. That's it. For Tom Green, James E. Jackson, Colin Kennedy earlier, I'm Josh Calloway. We'll see you guys Monday for the next edition of the Sooners Illustrated Podcast.
1: See you.